Hey, I just want to say thank you for checking out this message today. I hope that it helps you, that it encourages you, and that you are able to learn a little bit more about who God is and why so many people throughout history have chosen to become followers of Jesus. If you enjoy this message and you want to hear more, you can find us on Facebook or YouTube, but ultimately you can find everything you need to know at clcwinnipeg.ca. There you can find more messages, you can find our social handles, ways to get connected to our church, and if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do that as well. And like I said before, I hope that you are encouraged by the message you're about to hear. God bless you. I was reading some articles this week and uh, there's all kinds of different opinions about uh, where things are going with this whole COVID uh, issue that we're all facing these days. And, and a lot of people are, some people are saying the world's not going to get back to normal until we, we get a vaccine and lots of speculation about when that's going to happen. And uh, Kerry Newhoff in one of his articles this past week uh, was talking about churches that had regathered and uh, since lockdowns happened and, and how church attendance is about 36% on average of what it was prior to, uh, prior to COVID. And for our church, we, we've been running, I don't know, 30 to, to, uh, 30 to 60% on, on a given Sunday. Never would have imagined coming into 2020 that uh, near the end of the year, we'd be talking about a, a 40 to 60% reduction in church attendance. But those are the realities that, that everybody is kind of facing and dealing with today. Um, interesting, he said that uh, uh, church attendance, we, we understand that church attendance across North America has been slipping for the last number of years. And COVID has really served to accelerate the pace of that. So there would be those people that uh, haven't returned because they just have no intention of doing it. Some would be self-isolating uh, out of concern for COVID. Some would just be choosing to, uh, to join us online. You're joining us online and, and we're glad you are. And so we are now recognizing online church attendance as a very valid, um, part of the ministry that we do and, and we want to lean into that and continue to expand that particular ministry. It certainly opens the door to, to be uh, including people that uh, maybe we'll never physically meet. And that's good. That's good. It's also interesting that uh, they, they, they did a, uh, a study. They say that 70% of baby boomers want to uh, return to physical gatherings in church. But among the Gen Z, uh, only about 40% have intentions of, of returning to church. And so these are uh, very interesting times we're living in. And it, it really does cause us to, to, um, to see the necessity of, of, of being able to pivot, uh, to learn new things, uh, and in many cases, learn new technologies, to adapt to new ways and, and uh, uh, methods of, of doing ministry and it's not just in the church but people running small businesses educators uh, 
pretty well anybody that is dealing with people in, uh, in uh, physical contact, everybody's learning how to adapt and pivot and change and, and deal with, with the, the rapid changes that, that we're all dealing with that really nobody has control over. Now, um, one of the things that I think it's, it's causing people to do, uh, in, in many cases, the home has become, I guess, the epicenter of people's lives. Now, it's also true that when it comes to the body of Christ, the church building was very central to to spiritual life, spiritual development, community, uh, spiritual growth. The church building was. And so what's happened is as, as we've had to close down for a number of weeks or number of months, depending on where you live, it's forced the church out. It's forced people out of their four walls of, of, a, of a church building. And caused us to, to, I guess, really in many ways disperse, be out in the community, be out with other people, and gathering in very different contexts. Now, um, it, it causes us to ask the question, how, how then do we live out our faith? How then do we exercise our faith in a very changed world? How do we go about doing that? N.T. Wright said, the Holy Spirit came to empower us to be God's life in the world. We are to do the work of God in the world. We are to be God to the world. And we cannot do that alone. The church is God's redemptive community in the world. Without you and without you joined with God's other children, God's work will not be done. He will not do it without us and he will not do it for us. And so that brings us to the subject of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit ministering in the world and the Holy Spirit ministering through the church, through the body of Christ, through you as a follower of Jesus. And we've been talking about the Holy Spirit is uh, a series on, on the Holy Spirit for the last number of weeks. And today I want to talk to you about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We talked last week about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And if you didn't watch it, you might want to go back and tune into that. There's some, some valuable truths that you can, you can gain from that. But today I want to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I want to talk for a moment about where we've been over the last couple of weeks. So I, I just mentioned that, that we had talked about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But we've also covered issues like the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We've also talked about uh, the work of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit, the fact that when, when you're a believer in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. And that brings us to today's message of, of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, another work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so what I want to do, first of all, is, is read what these gifts are. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 to 10, it says, To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, 
and to another miraculous powers, and to another prophecy, and to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. So that's a list of the gifts of the Spirit. And so I want to have us consider for a minute these various gifts of the Spirit. Back in uh, 2019, in, in the context of, of our local church assembly, we, we did some fairly extensive teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. And, and one of the things we did was, was we did an inventory where people could kind of take a personal inventory and see what gifts they, they had, what gifts of the Spirit they had, where, where they were strongest, I guess, in a particular gift of the Spirit. And all of that was, was meant to encourage us in this matter of the gifts of the Spirit, to familiarize us with how God has gifted us, and to help to equip us to make ourselves available to be used by the Lord in the manifestation or the use of the spiritual gift that we may individually uh, possess. And our, count, our context, though, has changed. And we find ourselves living in a time where if we're not gathering in a church building and, and, and able to use our spiritual gifts in the context of how things have always been, well, what do we do with them? How do we use them? How, how do we excel in using the, the gifts of the Spirit when we're not gathering like we used to, or our crowds are particularly smaller, or, or we're, we're out and about as opposed to gathering within. And that is, um, I think, a valid question. You know, there are, you're, you're joining with us today online. You've got a gift of the Spirit. How do you use that gift of the Spirit when you're at home watching uh, watching church online. How do you use the gift of the Spirit if you are having home church with your family or a very, very small group of people? How do we use these gifts of the Spirit? And, and so those are, are valid questions that I think we should ask. But then in Romans chapter 12, verse 6 to 8, there are other gifts that are talked about here. And it, and it adds these ones. Um, the Bible says we have different gifts according to the grace given us, and that is uh, serving and teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, and showing mercy. And then in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8 to 11, uh, it talks about um, other gifts that have been given to the church, primarily apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers, and they are there to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ can be built up. So all these gifts, different context, different time, different day, and yet they're still there. They're still there for us to be used by the Lord. We're still there to be used by the Lord and they still matter. And so that brings us to the purpose of the spiritual gifts. What, what is the purpose? Well, when you look at, at some of the, 
spiritual gifts that, that have been given to us, some of them really do have a very spiritual purpose in mind. For instance, the discernment of spirits. I would say that's a fairly spiritual purpose or giving a word of prophecy, uh, a message in tongues, an interpretation. These would be spiritually uh, inclined gifts, manifestations of the Holy Spirit, uh, oftentimes meant to lead or to guide, to maybe to give instruction or wisdom, um, but really to hear from God. But then there are some other spiritual gifts that are very much more practical and, and you wouldn't necessarily say, well, that's a really super spiritual gift. Like for instance, the gift of, of administration or leadership, um, the gift of giving, showing mercy. Uh, these would be very practical kinds of gifts that, that would be exercised in, you know, in that human contact or, or working with a group of people. Um, it's, it's really neat when you've got, for instance, a group of people and they're disorganized and, and, and they've got a task to, to do and they can't really get their act together and, and they all want to do this. And, and, and along comes somebody with a gift of leadership or a gift of administration and that whole group now becomes cohesive and they're getting the job done and they've got purpose and they've got direction, they've got boundaries and they've got clear instruction and, and now they become very effective in carrying out the work of God. And so we wouldn't look at that necessarily as being particularly spiritual, but it's still a spiritual gift. It's still a gift from the Holy Spirit. And so I like what, uh, what one person said. They described spiritual gifts this way. They said that there would be no difference between the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the church. That that's what the spiritual gifts would be for. That when you look at the ministry of Jesus, the church would reflect the ministry of Jesus. Never really thought of it that way, but I think there's some, some validity to that. There's a fellow by the name of Jepson who said, the genuine gifts of the Holy Spirit are God in action through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit in the church. Let me read that again. The genuine gifts of the Holy Spirit are God in action through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit in the church. I can't imagine Jesus Christ walking on the face of the earth some 2,000 years ago, powerless and completely hapless. You know, coming across a situation where there's a, a sick person and them looking and saying, and him looking and saying, well, I don't know what to do. I, it's beyond me. Or some kind of a miracle um, that needed to be performed. And Jesus said, well, I can't do that. Or uh, boldness to speak to, to opposers and him saying, well, I don't know what to say. I can't imagine a powerless Jesus. I mean, you don't see Jesus uh, depicted in any way as being weak or powerless in the scriptures. And so, When you look at, at the church, we should not be weak or powerless either. And if you look at the life of a believer, of a follower of Jesus, that we shouldn't be weak and powerless. But we have the Holy Spirit. We have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord has given these to the church to be used 
to do God's work by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. So he equips us, the Holy Spirit equips us to live and to act and to serve, maybe to lead, to give, to show mercy, to discern, whatever the gift is, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Those gifts have been given to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. God gives supernatural gifts to ordinary people that we would be his channels, that we would be his vessels, that he would work through us to accomplish his purposes in this world. Now, the fact of the matter is, whether the church gathers in a building or doesn't gather in a building, whether the church meets online or meets in a home, or the church meets in, in the context of families, the power of the Holy Spirit is still there, the gifts of the Spirit are still there, and He still wants those to be manifest through our lives. And so I don't think that the answer for us today is, well, you know, everything's changed, so we'll just put all this stuff on the shelf. Everything's changed, everything's different, so God can't use me. No. The power of the Holy Spirit is at work in the life of the believer to accomplish the plans and the purposes that God has for us, that God has for you to accomplish in this world. He's given us the gifts of the Spirit. And so let's see the, the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit. When uh, I want to give you about five of them. The gifts of the Spirit help to convince unbelievers. It helps to convince unbelievers of, of the power of God, the reality of God. And I want to read a passage of scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14. I'm sorry, verse 24, not 14, verse 24. But if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody is prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he is a sinner and will be judged by all. He will be convinced. He will be convinced or she will be convinced that they need Jesus, that there is something that is lacking in their lives. That is one of the operations of the, gift of the gifts of the Spirit. It convinces unbelievers of their need for Christ. Now, the gifts also attract people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 2 verse 7, it's speaking of observers who were seeing things happen. And it says in the Bible that they were utterly amazed at what they saw God doing. We look at uh, how gifts, the gifts of the Spirit can inform us or guide us. In Acts chapter 21 verse 11, it says this, in this way the Holy Spirit says, and so the Holy Spirit was speaking, the Holy Spirit was leading, was guiding, was giving instruction. Another operation of the gifts of the Spirit is, is the gifts of the Spirit bring glory to God. Uh, in Acts chapter 4 verse 21, it says people were praising God for all that had happened. The Holy Spirit had worked and had caused people to praise God for what they'd seen. And gifts also show the power of God. In uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 6, we have the disciples walking along. They come across a lame man. And they say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And he was healed. He stood up and he walked. And so the gifts of the Spirit show the power of God. 
It's interesting to know they weren't cloistered in a building. They were out and about, having an ordinary day, going about their business, and they performed a miracle. How do we access the spiritual gifts? Well, I think there's a few, a few things that we need to be aware of here. First of all, we recognize that God gives the spiritual gifts to those as he chooses to give them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 11, it says, He gives them to each one just as he determines. So, I'm not entitled. You're not entitled. Any gifts that we have from the Holy Spirit, any gifts of the Spirit that we have, have been given to us because the Holy Spirit has chosen to give them to us. It's just the way it is. The gifts are given on the basis of who the Holy Spirit decides to give them to. I like what 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7 says. But each man has his own gift from God. Now, now think about that. Think about that. If, if we take that scripture and, and take it at face value, what it's saying is you have a gift and I have a gift. But each, each man, each woman, has their own gift from God. One has this gift and another has that gift. We don't necessarily all have the same gift, but it's very interesting to note that the Bible acknowledges that each has their own gift. Uh, so we recognize to access the spiritual gifts that it's an act of God. The Holy Spirit gives them as he determines. And then the other thing is we need to have a willing heart. In, uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, it says, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. Eagerly desire. Now, there's not a lot of things in, in the scriptures that we're supposed to covet, but we should covet everything we can from God. We should eagerly desire, covet the spiritual gifts, really earnestly want all that God has to give to us. And, and that means that, Lord, I really want to be used of you and, and you know, give me uh, this ability or, or that ability or use me in this way or that way. It's consistent in our relationship with God that, that anything we want from God, we need to really want it and not just be kind of passive about it, a word I like to, to use. Maybe it's not a really good theological word, but we shouldn't just be willy-nilly, but specific and, and really desire, really want something from God. Um, here's another one. Our, our will and the Holy Spirit come together. So, so if the Bible says eagerly desire spiritual gifts and also says the Holy Spirit gives them as he determines, then what happens is you've got the Holy Spirit and our desire coming together, coming together in agreement to have the Holy Spirit gift us so the Holy Spirit can use us, that we can be vessels, that we can be channels of the Holy Spirit. Here's another one. Be willing to use the gift. You know, sometimes it takes a lot of courage to use a gift of the Spirit. It, it, it causes us to step outside of our comfort zone. You know, if, if you're in a, let me just kind of paint a picture in the, in the context of maybe a public gathering. And some of these gifts are given in, in the context of, or, or used in the context of a public gathering. Like let's say a prophetic word 
or a message in tongues and an interpretation. So if somebody gives a message in tongues, that message is supposed to be interpreted. If you're going to speak out and give a message in tongues, you're, you know, everybody's listening, everybody's waiting, and now they're waiting for the interpretation. If there's no interpretation, then you're supposed to be quiet. What if you give a message, a, a prophecy, and somebody, I've, I've certainly heard this, is people are, are afraid, you know, they're nervous, they're uptight, I'm going to give the, I, I feel I'm supposed to give a prophetic word, but they don't know what the whole thing is. And so they got to launch out and start speaking and there's that fear of what, what if this isn't from God? What if I'm making this up? What, what if I get part way through and I, I just get stuck? Um, what about a, a gift of healing? Like what if when the disciples looked at this lame man, they said, take up your mat and walk in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. What, what would happen if he, if he, if he didn't walk? So they were taking a risk there. And so I guess what I'm saying is this, that, that we need to be willing to use the gift. We need to be willing to step out. We need to be willing to be vulnerable. We need to be willing to, to put our pride on the shelf and say, Lord, I'm just going to make myself available and I'm going to trust you to use me. And I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be proud about this. I'm just going to trust you. And it really does take a, a degree of humility and submission to to just allow God to use you in, in using your gift. The Holy Spirit doesn't force himself on us either. Um, Holy Spirit is gentle. I've always heard the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is tender. The Holy Spirit doesn't give us gifts against our will. We're supposed to eagerly desire them. But here's something else that the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 32. It says that the spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. And so if, if you're going to uh, exercise a spiritual gift, you've got some will involved there. You've got some, as I say, you've got some skin in the game. Like you're making a choice. And, and that, it's not that that choice is, is being made for you. The Holy Spirit can prompt you. The Holy Spirit can encourage you. There can be just a quickening in your heart that a sense that you ought to do this. But at the end of the day, it's your choice. And you're still under control. And so the Holy Spirit doesn't force you to exercise a gift of the Spirit. So don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 14, 12, we recognize that gifts are given to meet the needs of others. Gifts are given to build up the church. And it says in that passage of scripture, excel in the gifts that build up the church. So there's an actual encouragement in the scripture to, to excel, to advance, to go forward in the gifts that build up, edify, encourage other people, other believers. The other part of of how, how do we access the spiritual gifts is um, that leadership might play a role in, in the impartation of a spiritual gift. And, and I want to be really careful here because I think that, that sometimes we might go too far on this one. So I want to be really careful here and hopefully offer a, a really balanced perspective to you. But in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, Paul is writing to Timothy. He's getting older. 
He's, they say he's probably about 60 years old. Timothy's probably about 30s. Paul is near the end of his life, and Timothy's kind of starting out his ministry. And so it's like this elder spiritual father speaking to a young man, and he said this. Um, don't neglect the gift that you've received. And he makes reference to the elders laying their hands on Timothy and receiving some some gift. And he says, don't neglect the gift that you've received. And so we see human vessels being involved here in in the impartation of a spiritual gift that, that Timothy had in Romans chapter 1, verse 1. We... We see Paul talking about being set apart for the gospel. And, and you have this picture of, of the elders of the church, of the leaders of the church, setting him apart to preach the gospel. And I think this is an important thing for us to remember. That it is still the Holy Spirit. As I said a moment ago, the Holy Spirit gives gifts, each one, as he determines. The Holy Spirit determines who gets what gift. But it could be also true that the Holy Spirit uses human vessels, frail human vessels, not perfect human vessels, but uses people as a catalyst in imparting a spiritual gift. Now, I don't know how all of that works necessarily, but we recognize that the Spirit gives the gift, and I guess as, as these elders, as these leaders would have the mind of Christ, would know the will of God, would maybe be able to discern that they would have a part in that, in affirming, in encouraging, and praying for someone to receive a spiritual gift. And I would think that the Holy Spirit would be very involved in leading that because you sure don't want to launch out and say, well, you're going to have this gift. And the Holy Spirit says, what are you talking about? I've given that gift to that person. So obviously they've got to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. So God wants to use you. And yeah, we're living in different times, but maybe that's, that's a signal to us that uh, the Holy Spirit and the work of God is not interrupted by changes in the world. It just carries on. And God wants to use his church in this world. He wants us to be a source of life. He wants you to be a source of encouragement. He wants you to be a source of help. He wants you to be a source of hope to this world. And what better thing to know that the Lord gives us spiritual gifts and we have an opportunity to be catalysts of the Holy Spirit, to be vessels, to be a channel for God's blessing wherever we go. So go out there and do it. Go out there and do it. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you opportunities. And as you ask the Holy Spirit to give you opportunities to be used by, by God, ask the Lord to help you to listen to be sensitive, to hear, and to be ready to act. And uh, 
to be sensitive to, to the leading of the Holy Spirit. I think it's very practical and I think that um, there's some good, some good days ahead of us. I think there's some good days ahead for the church. I think there's some good days ahead for you as a believer, as a follower of Jesus. The relationship is a very personal relationship that we can have with Christ and, and I'm thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful that Jesus wants to be our savior and we can have him as our savior by opening our life to him and saying, Lord, come into my life, and forgive my sin and be my savior, be my Lord. And he comes in, Holy Spirit dwells in us. He wants to fill you and he wants to gift you. He wants to use you. And I want to encourage you to do that. I'd like us just to bow in a word of prayer. I'd like to pray for you today, okay? Heavenly Father, thank you for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you give them as you determine. And I thank you that we as believers have a gift of the Spirit or maybe several gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help us to be led by the Spirit, to be open to the Holy Spirit, and to be used by the Holy Spirit, to be a blessing to people around us. In Jesus' name, amen.